Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. The only thing worse than a loss to the Marlins is listening to Met fans polls on social media. The Nationals dropped another one to the Marlins tonight. 6-2 in the nation's capital. Three of their last four to the Marlins. They've lost at this point. Can't be losing games at this point, but Doug has to be around the game tonight. Tanner Roark on the mound. Eight hits, two earned runs, 69 innings pitched, and four and two-thirds versus the Marlins last week in Miami. Three and two and eight starts, a 506 ERA, 521 line against as a start of the season. Down 2 nothing early, a single by Pete Gordon, two-run home run by Martin Prado. A double sack bunt and a sack fly for the Marlins. They had 3-2 in the fifth, two singles, and then a two-out, three-run home run by Justin Bohr in the fifth inning, 6-2 at that point. They hold on for the 6-4 win. I think the Nationals seem to have effectively broken Tanner Roark this year, moving him back and forth. Didn't look good in either of his three starts so far. That he's moved back on the rotation and struggled again tonight. Yeah, Roark has uh, not been missing many bats this season, and he certainly didn't miss all that many tonight. Uh, gave up some hard contact and gave up some weak contact that just had some bad luck. You know, that was a, a, a legit double to give up the go-behind run there, but then that three-run home run came up after two bad at these singles that really hit that hard. But, ah, boy, it's... Uh, it was certainly not a dominant outing, but it was neither was it a lucky not dominant outing. So both unlucky and undominant, if I can put that together there. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm not I did not start drinking early tonight, I swear. <laughs> I'm not sure undominant is a word, but neither is unlegal, as I mentioned when we saw A.J. Ramos come on for a four-out save, which I don't think is legal at all, definitely unlegal. But the loss of the Marlins Yeah, as you were, tonight, as you were saying, I think that was uh, that was some chicanery on the part of the Marlins there. Uh, 7-9 and nine against the Marlins this year after the loss, after they went 13-6 and six against the Fish last year. They were 15-4 and four against the Mets in uh, 2014, 6-10 against New York so far this season. I know I wrote at the beginning of the year, and I promise you I'm not saying I told you so because I don't say that and I don't like people who do, but I thought they weren't going to dominate these teams as much as they did, but a losing record against the Fish and a losing record against the Mets is a good way to lose your division. Uh, so what, you're saying you told us so? <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's certainly right. Um, you you want to win your division, it, it helps to uh, – the teams that are in it, especially when they're uh, they're having a, an off year and struggling, and their best players are spending a lot of time on the DL. For all that the the Marlins have had to scuffle and sort of cobble together a, a, a lineup and a rotation with bailing wire and string, they've certainly been playing the playing the Nats tough season. Uh, you know, as as we've discussed and seen with our own eyes endlessly, the Nats have had their own problems keeping a healthy team together. But if you can't take advantage of another team's misfortune and cash in on it, well, the Nats are, are certainly not doing themselves any favors this season and didn't didn't do themselves any tonight. 
didn't get much going against Jared Cozart, who was on the mound for the Marlins, uh, effectively wild early last week when he faced the Marlins and uh, when he faced the Nationals in Miami, according to his manager. Nine hits, four walks, one run allowed in nine and two thirds inning pitch after he returned from some issues with vertigo. That horn is hilarious. One and four on the year, four five eight ERA, five oh five fit, two forty six, three twenty eight, four forty nine line against and fifty five innings pitch this season before tonight. Gave up a two run blast by Ian Desmond in the second, two two at that point. Ended up giving up just scrolls down. Just those two earned runs, three walks, four Ks, six innings pitch, just three hits allowed, two of them in his final inning of work, hundred and five pitches. He's a good starter, but really shut the Nationals down tonight and limited uh, just the two runs before he was out of the game. You want to talk about chicanery here. I don't know what kind of devil magic the the, the Marlins <laughs> pitching coach has been using to ensorcel his uh, his starter there. But, you know, Kozart, he's, he's not a good pitcher. He's, he's an innings eater. He's below league average. He doesn't have great command. Uh, he's not going to have high strikeout numbers, even against a team like the Mets, or excuse me, the, the Nats who like to swing at everything. Um, <laughs> you you should not be held to only two runs against a guy like Cozart. And the Nats were tonight. Now, grant you, they made some hard contact that was right at people. Uh, you know, uh, Harper had a had a hard hit ball. Uh, Rendon, I think, had one. There were there were a couple of good solid line drives to the outfielders or to the outfield right at people. Uh, you know, baseball, what are you going to do? Well, baseball. I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to complain about the Nats playing poorly against a pitcher who's not very good. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> baseball and the Babbitt gods, everyone's against the Nationals tonight. Uh, they threatened in the eighth inning, though, down 6-2 to two at that point. Brian Ellington on for the Marlins. Anthony Rendon with a single, one out later. They go to Mike Dunn against Bryce Harper, two for 17 going into that at bat, but he singles to right and put two on. Jason Worth pops out for out number two, but Tyler Moore gets up there, takes a walk. Uh, Brian Morris comes, uh, replaces Mike Dunn against Ian Desmond, who works the count full. And a patient, nice at bat from Desmond there. I think he got squeezed on one pitch, too. That didn't look like much of a strike on a 2-0 offering there, but works the count full and singles to drive in two runs, 6-4 at that point. Wilson Ramos with another patient walk. Uh, and we thing we mentioned before, the Marlins go to their pen for A.J. Ramos for the four-out save, something that the Nationals, I don't can't remember them doing it at all this year if they did, but... Uh, A.J. Ramos comes on, bases loaded at that point, strikes out Michael Taylor to end the threat, end the inning there. Really big at bat for Ramos. He comes back and gets three more outs in the ninth, and that's as close as the Nationals get, six to four. Yeah, well, it was it was the right move to make, and we can complain about it as much as we want, and we certainly have, and I, I probably will a little more later because we don't, we don't see uh, Maddie making that move as much as we would prefer. But you you get into a high leverage spot. The game is on the line. You bring in your best pitcher. If that happens to not be occurring in the ninth inning, so be it. You're trying to you're trying to keep uh, keep from going behind and uh, and hold on to your lead there. And if you've got a guy who can get four outs instead of three, which I would think is most short relievers, honestly, uh, then you do that. And you know that was. That was a, a, a big and successful move for the Marlins there. Maybe this is a, a learning experience for uh, for our Nats coaching staff here. Uh, 
Uh, I will mention as an aside, I haven't looked at the pitch FX plot for tonight. I'm just assuming based on precedent, precedent that uh, Angel Hernandez is a is a blind, no good bum, you know, uh, insert slur about, you know, braille strike zone, uh, flipping a coin, not paying attention, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think it was particularly lopsided, but there's certainly a few pitches that I didn't like him calling both ways. I don't think it went against the Nationals any more than the Marlins. I think it's just Angel Hernandez generally not being very good at calling balls and strikes, but I'd have to take a look at the plot, too, and see what it, how it was overall. But uh, stressing some positives here, Anthony Rendon, one for five with a run scored. Bryce Harper, two for four with a run scored. Jason Worth gets another hit, one for three. I think he's up to about 18 game on base streak at this point. It's not more than that. He probably has more than that. I don't remember what it was, but he's been getting on and getting things done recently. But Ian Desmond, really big night, two for four, four runs driven in, two-run home run, a two-run single late in the game. The home run was his 11th in the second half. He has 18 overall on the year, 11 in 58 games, 233 plate appearances in the second half of the season. Really kind of turned things around. Do you think he's turned things around enough that he's going to still get that big deal out on the free agent market? Or if you're one of the teams out there looking at him, uh, how are you judging him right now on what he did in the first half or the way he bounced back and what he's done over the last couple of years? I think it depends on how much people are going to want to believe. I think, you know, you, you put together three five-win seasons in a row, that's going to count for a lot more than one struggling in your contact contract year especially if he finishes out the year solid. I, I think that he's certainly going to earn a, a qualifying offer, and he's going to get something better than that from someone, almost certainly not than that. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I, there's a list of teams out there looking for short steps this year, and power he can hit, 18 home runs that I mentioned on the year. He's still got some speed. He cut down on the errors in the second half, so we'll see what he gets out there in the market and see if he can top that. $107 million offer he reportedly turned down, even though that's still never officially been announced or confirmed that there was that offer on the table. Uh, looking forward to next year again, as we've been doing over the last couple of days, as this gets further and further out of hand, eight games back now at the loss. But there's a Keith Law chat today online. Uh, he said starting next year, Trey Turner should be the everyday shortstop from the start. His rotation, I, I forgive him for leaving Joe Ross out of this because he was doing an impromptu response to a question, but he basically said Strasburg, Scherzer, A.J. Cole, and Tanner Roark in the rotation. Uh, Cole, 315 ERA, a 390 FIP, and 105 and two-thirds in pitch at AAA this year. A decent season by him. He was really strong down the stretch after he came up to the Nationals for a little while. He's back up with them now, though you wouldn't know it because he's completely been absent from the games. What do you think about him as a possibility in that rotation? Roark at the back of the rotation after Strasburg, Scherzer, and Geo. Well, I, I see, uh, you know, a lot of distinction without a difference between those three, really. Uh, any of them yeah. could be uh, filling in those last two spots and, you know, eat the innings and, you know, give you three and a half, four ERA. Uh, I, I don't see any of them really dominating. You know, much as I like Joe Ross and I want to believe in him, uh, I think if he comes up and pitches a full season second time around the league, I think it's going to go harder for him. I think he's got to work a little bit more on his secondary pitches uh, to really be effective as a starter. I I think he could do it, uh, but there's no guarantee. I just sort of want to believe that he can. (laughs) 
because uh, he's such a great story, and I wanted to pitch better than his brother. <laughs> Dave and I discussed this a little bit the other night after Strasburg struck out 14 batters. Uh, when he's at his best and really impresses like that, it's really just fun to watch him do what he does on the mound there. He's going into his contract year in 2016, last year of team control. Once he gets into that season, he's unlikely to sign an extension. Most players, once they get into the season, they'll just determine that they're going to go test-free agency. If you're Mike Rizzo, are you talking to Strasburg about an extension? Are the injuries this year and throughout his career uh, something that will scare you off from possibly extending him and trying to keep Strasburg around? Uh, I, I can't read Rizzo's mind, but my my impression of the organization is that, of course, Rizzo is going to do his, his due diligence. And if somehow Strauss gives him a, a hometown discount, he might explore that. But, you know, everything I've heard is, you know, the, the Nats are most interested if they're going to sign somebody in someone who's still on their first elbow. And as yeah. nice as Strauss looked in the, in the second half of the season, and he's probably going to be, perfectly good, if not AC next season, uh, I, I think that's a risk that Rizzo's not willing to take on for, say, another five seasons beyond that. So if you're not going to sign him long-term, do you let him walk and take the, give him a qualifying offer and take the draft pick in return for your 09 number one overall pick, or do you try to trade him at some point this season, uh, regardless of whether they're in or out, and try to get a little bit more for him than you would otherwise? Well, if uh, you can make that deal and get more, yeah, I think I think you consider it. But uh, the the known quantity that you're going to get instead of that draft pick for one year, mm, I, I'm not sure how much value that's going to be. Of course, I I really don't know what the coming draft class looks like, so I, I couldn't couldn't judge that. You know, it's probably going to be a little bit more valuable, but is it going to be enough more valuable? to give up the production you're going to get out of the next season because the the rotation depth is a lot less next year. Uh, so relatively, Strasburg has a lot more value, you know, given uh, how deep the rotation looked at the start of this year and how it turned out. Uh, I'm not sure you want to trade away one of your, your big run prevention weapons. Uh, and, you know, uh, it seems like a rebuilding sort of move that I'm not sure you want to be making next year. I'll just end this part of the discussion by saying Hash Brown signs that cranky. Talking about a five-year, $150-ish <laughs> million deal if he opts out with the Dodgers, which he's likely to do. And for that sort of money, I might give a 32-year-old a five-year deal, but we'll see what the Nationals do going forward. Uh, one other thing from the Keith Law. Uh, two other things I should say from the Keith Law chat. He said Ronaldo Lopez in the bullpen next year, which I would like to see that hard-throwing right-hander, one of the national top prospects. He also, however, expressed some reservations about Michael Taylor as an everyday outfielder. We four in just the last couple of days when we brought it up, but having a glove-first outfielder who might struggle and finally, you know, work on his offensive game over the next two years in the major leagues, the Nationals go out and finally get that other outfielder, first baseman kind of guy that we've been talking about for the last couple of years, or do you trust what they have uh, with Taylor, uh, Jason Worth, Bryce Harper across the outfield and see what they can do with those three and then find a fourth outfielder, or what do you think the Nationals do with the outfield in the next season? Well, we, we just somehow genetically meld Clint Robinson and Matt Van Decker, and we solved that problem. 
if we can, if we can somehow grasp Matt Dendex's defensive skills on the Clint Robinson, you think we have a winner there? Yeah, this is clearly the answer. That I think the Nets crack medical staff is going to be on top of this during the off season. Well, they did create a baseball cyborg in Bryce Harper, so there's no telling what they can do. What they couldn't do tonight in another smooth transition is beat the Miami Marlins. <laughs> Six to four fish tonight in the nation's capital. Can't keep losing games. Every loss is a heartbreaker at this point. Every time we start to hope it gets kicked in the can again. But that's 75 and 71 after the loss tonight three more with the Marlins coming up this weekend and then one more week at home. The home half the schedule is over and they finish up with uh, three more with the Marlins, three more with the Mets. See what they can do. Mass Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Talk to you tomorrow, sir. Go Nets.